congregation. Uh, our guest speaker this morning really needs no introduction uh, here because he's part of us. Uh, I remember the first time I ever saw Steve Brown, he was actually playing softball in the park with a rival church. I say that tongue-in-cheek, they're not really rivals. <laughs> Churches should not be rivals. <laughs> but uh, he, was, he was playing shortstop for Mount Vernon Baptist Church. And uh, I said, I, I don't believe I've ever seen a preacher play softball like that. He's a good softball player. Uh, but he's, a, he's, he's much, much more than that. Um, Steve uh, has served as interim pastor here at Bersheba, did so for 15, 18 months. And really he was the glue that held us together for that period of time, did a wonderful job, and endeared himself uh, to this whole congregation, Steve. Thank you so much. He endeared himself to the children. They loved him so much that one Sunday during a children's sermon, they nearly carried him out of the sanctuary. I can't remember what the, what the children's sermon was, but, but uh, Steve had a children's sermon, and, and they got up and, and literally almost picked him up and carried him out. <laughs> but... Uh, Steve Brown is, is a chaplain at, uh, at Golden Triangle, Baptist Hospital Golden Triangle, and has a real pastor's heart and does a wonderful job there. And we're so fortunate to have him at Baptist. We're so fortunate to have him as a member of our community. We love you, Steve, and we welcome you here to the pulpit today. Thank you. It is good to be back among you and to see so many familiar faces and to talk to some of you already. I look forward to speaking to more of you a little later. I, the very first person I met this morning as I pulled up was Braden East. Where are you, Braden? Is he out? Braden uh, gave me my bulletin today, and so I wanted to thank him publicly for that. And he introduced himself, looked me in the eye, and shook my hand. So, very nice. And then I met uh, Tim's daughters and their brother, Dalton, who is not really their brother, but <laughs> their friend, Dalton. Uh, so it's been a good day already to meet uh, some of you who I have not known before. I saw Presley, who has grown, and I should know you as well. Is it Kaylee? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, gosh, y'all have grown up since I left. I had a full head of hair when I left here, but I don't know what happened since then. That's right. That's right. Well, let me uh, invite you to turn in your Bibles with me, if you have them with you, to Colossians chapter 3. I had that in my Bible, and then I took my bulletin out to find Braden's name. So let's go back to that. I'll look it up as you look it up. Colossians chapter 3. And we'll read verses 15 through 17. I invite you to hear the word of God from Paul as he speaks to the church at Colossae. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. 
Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And we always say, for God is still speaking. All right. Okay. I understand Tim tends to wander around a little bit, but I don't do this every week, so I'm going to stay close by the mic, okay? I do want to thank uh, Pastor Tim for the invitation to come and to be back with you here at Bersheba. I was talking to Charlie before church, and I think the last time I was here in the actual sanctuary with you was during Margie, uh, during uh, uh, Mrs. Studdard, uh, help me, Irene Studdard's uh, funeral. I had Margie on my brain, but I know you're still living, so <laughs> thankful for that. Uh, and, uh, you know, she, she was a real blessing to me at the hospital. I would go by periodically and talk to her. She would encourage me. And I truly have missed her. I, I just was listening to Charlie talk today. It would be almost four years ago that she passed away now. And that's been just a, a heartache for me, but I know for you as a church congregation as well. And I know, too, that many of you are lifelong friends. Where I say lifelong, we've been here 21 years of Kelly and I. So I do want to give you just a brief update on our family, and then I'll move forward. Okay. Uh, my oldest daughter, Kessler was born in 1992, so that makes her 27, right? Is my math right? Okay. And she married Cody McClanahan, uh, who also is from Columbus. They now live in Houston, Texas, and today they are adopting, formally, a 15-year-old son. He has been in their house for a year as a 14-year-old foster son, but today is the official adoption ceremony at the church where they attend. So Kelly and uh, Kennedy are attending that church. Unfortunately, I also had to do a wedding yesterday that I was, uh, had been booked for long in advance. So I am here with you today to celebrate as well, and I will get lots of pictures and stories, I'm sure. Kennedy is my youngest child, and she's uh, 25 if my math is correct. She is an industrial engineer at Disney World in Orlando, Florida. Don't come to me for tickets afterwards. <laughs> but uh, she's loving life, living downtown Orlando in like a 20th story apartment. It's pretty wild. And then we all hope to be together over the Thanksgiving holiday, spending time at Shaco Springs Conference Center in Talladega, Alabama, which is a Baptist conference center that we kind of rent out a lodge and have all of my mom's family, the 30 closest family members that we can endure for at least a day and a half uh, together there. So that will be a fun time. So I do want to thank you for the love that you've shown me and my family over the years and for the opportunity just to reconnect with you today. Um, so as we go forward, will you bow with me for prayer? Heavenly Father, what a good uh, day it is already to be in this place of worship and to sing songs of praise and to hear your name lifted high, to be able to see the children as they 
are so eager to learn and to practice their faith. I pray, Lord, now that as we enter into this time of sharing your word, breaking the bread of life, that you would bless every word that I say. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of every one of our hearts please you and you alone. For you are our rock and our refuge. And it is in the strong name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. It seems there was a man and his wife that were on a very strict diet. They sat down at the table for a meatless meal. Everything was steamed. Everything was green. The husband looked at the food on his plate and he said to his wife, You say the blessing. If I thank the Lord, he'll know I'm lying. <laughs> now, I don't have to tell you in the midst of Thanksgiving week that you've already heard the children say, we're happy that we're out of school, we're on break. Everybody has a little bit more uh, pep to their step, a little bit more eagerness today. But this is a Thanksgiving week, I think, that we not only remember as a uh, a holiday, but it's also a day that's been sanctioned by our government to be given as a national holiday. And uh, does anyone actually know when Thanksgiving Day is? Thursday is right, kind of like the children said, but as we know, Thanksgiving Day, as Mike reminded us, is every day, day after day, not just Thanksgiving Day, but today and tomorrow and yesterday and all the days beyond that as well. I've been, I've been enjoying reading various entries on Facebook uh, about some of the ways that people are thankful for the things that uh, uh, have happened in their lives or the people that they're thankful for, about their gratitude to God for this month, for memories, and one uh, particular entry really piqued my curiosity because it talked about aromas and smells and sniffs. This is a time of year where I think we're also thankful for the aromas that we smell in our households. In the Old Testament, we learned that Daniel was on his knees three times a day, praying to God and thanking God morning, noon, and night. Every day for thanks, was thanksgiving for Daniel, and for us as well, I would suggest that we keep that heart of gratitude in times of plenty and in times of want. You know, in 1636, in the midst of the Thirty Years' War, there was a pastor by the name of Martin Rinkert, who was in Germany. And he had said that in the middle of that Thirty-Year War, he buried 15,000 parishioners uh, while he was there, an average of 15 funerals a day. His parish was ravaged by war and economics and death. In the heart of that disaster, with the cries of the people outside of his window, he sat down to his table and wrote a prayer of grace for his children that sometimes we sing in our church. Now thank we all our God with hearts and souls and voices who wondrous things has done, in whom this world rejoices, who from our mother's arms hath led us on our way with countless gifts of love and still is ours today. He wrote that hymn for his children in the midst of the 30-year war when he was performing 15 funerals a day. 
Here was a man who knew not only that Thanksgiving came from the aromas of a Thanksgiving table, but also from the love of God, not from outward circumstances, but from the way that God reminded him each and every day that life was a gift. I need to be reminded of that. I need to be reminded of that when I'm concerned about whether my football team is performing up to what I think is the way they should be performing, or whether I think my coach should have one more year, or whether I think my 401k is growing in the direction that I think it needs to be growing. Just 15 years after the pilgrims had arrived and celebrated that first Thanksgiving in America, they also took time to acknowledge the gratitude that they had to God for all of the countless gifts of his love. And as Mott reminded us again, despite tremendous losses and hardships, whether it's expressed in times of joy, of plenty, or whether it's expressed in agony of desperation, the psalmist says, it is good, it is good. It is good to give thanks to the Lord. God has commanded it as we read in Colossians today from our scripture and Jesus practiced it. And as we have experienced in worship today, it is central to praise and worship. It is an important part of recovery also in the grief process to be thankful. Whether it be for the civil freedoms that we enjoy or the spiritual freedom, we recognize that true thanksgiving comes as a result of the cost of sacrifice. We express our thanksgiving with ver verbal praise, but also with gifts through offerings that support the ministries of our church and our community. But you know what it is about thanksgiving that makes it unique? It requires an effort. It has to be given. I think part of what Mott was trying to say to the children or that I took from her message was, I'm giving you these five kernels because I want you to take the effort to say thank you for the things that maybe every day you are aware they're happening, but you just never say anything to somebody. Take those five kernels, share them. They don't have to be in our hands to do it. Like the candle, we can do it whether we have the five kernels or not. We can continue to share those and the light of Christ shines within. You know, at our hospital, our leadership team is trained to send handwritten notes to colleagues acknowledging their extra efforts or their consistent efforts on behalf of providing a safe, clean, and healing environment. Let me ask you a question today. Have you noticed how much more you pay attention to your own actions when you are thanking other people for the care that they provide for you? It is important to do simple things well rather than great things poorly. Our motives for thanksgiving should not be that the hospital administration requires it and therefore we should do it, but because it's the right thing to do. Likewise, we don't offer our praise and our thanks to God just because scripture commands it like we read today or because the bulletin says now's the time to offer praise and worship, but because it is the right thing to do, it is good. It is good. It is good to give thanks. To the Lord. And when we do that, our hearts produce a rejoicing spirit. But what is one of the things that can get in the way of that? Unconfessed sin can stop us from being able to experience both gratitude and thanksgiving. That's why it's always important for us, I think, to 
acknowledge in our prayer time that we have a time of both adoration, of confession, of thanksgiving, and of supplication, of making our needs known to God. If we can't do that in church, how will we ever achieve peace and reconciliation in the larger world? The truth is we cannot be close to God if we feel far from his people. Just as we are to pray without ceasing, our lives become more meaning and more balanced when we give thanks in the midst of all circumstances. And notice I said in the midst of, not for all circumstances. I'm not going to thank God for some of the things that really grieve me and cause me hardship and disappointment in my life, but I can give thanks to God in the midst of those things and ask that God would see me through and carry me through those things. Are you not sure how to do that yourself? Consider keeping a gratitude journal by your bed or at your desk. Keep a daily log of what God is doing in your life. Not just a log of what it is that you're lacking. Not just a log of, oh God, I wish you would bring me this and I wish you would give me that. But a a log of the things that you are grateful for. It could be as simple as... The fact that I got to see Jerry again today and the last time I remember him singing was in, he was singing Rub-a-Dub-Dub in the shower. Show choir, that's right. Probably 20 years ago. That was a great thing to be thankful for, that it connected me with Jerry in a way that I hadn't thought about in a long time. You know, even Oprah Winfrey says that maintaining a gratitude journal is the single most important thing that she has ever done in her life to bring happiness and hope for her. And my sense is that as we become more conscious of the things and the people that we're grateful for, that we will seek more opportunities to serve others and to be what Paul says, a living sacrifice that he talks about in Romans 12. Present yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is truly the way that we worship God. Thanksgiving is an evidence of faith. In Luke 17, we read about the lone leper out of ten who returned to thank Jesus. It seems then that a lack of faith and a spirit of ingratitude have a sense of going together. So when we practice gratitude, it is an obvious expression of our faith in God. It also reveals the depth of our fellowship. When we celebrate the communion together, communion also is defined as Eucharist. And Eucharist in the Greek word means grace. It means finding fellowship, table grace, one with the other. So when we have an awareness of an appreciation for God's grace in our hearts, then we properly thank him by being in reconciliation, being in relationship with others. Far too often we take God and those around us for granted. This weekend, while I was trying to figure out how to watch the Georgia Bulldogs play Texas A&M at the same time I was officiating this wedding, it was really stressful for me. (laughs) But I I did hear one of the commentators talk about uh, the donation or the person of Tua Tagovailoa. Help me pronounce his last Tagovailoa. Tua. All right. He was talking about the import. She was talking about the importance of Tua. And she said that despite his season-ending injury and perhaps his college career-ending injury, 
that she wondered if maybe we have taken for granted some of the things that he did that we saw day in and day out that were just off the charts, kind of amazing things. And so we didn't really appreciate them in the moment that we had them. And we may not ever have them again as a college sports enthusiast. And yet, as she said that, I got to thinking about how that applies to all of us as well. How many times do we experience just the everyday things that we can be grateful for, like Chris's pictures of the ginkgo trees at the W. And when we see those things and we think, wow, that's kind of cool, but we don't just honor God and say, thank you, God, for that wonderful gift that you've given to us. Are we thankful to God both in the good times and in the hard times too? Do we take time to thank God when things seem to come too easy to us? Just those things like when a child does something that we go, wow, that was cool. Do we thank God for what he or she has done? But mostly, and I'll close today with this, we are grateful for the gift of salvation that God has given to us. Let me close with an illustration. The sun had risen on a hot August day in 1944 in the small village of Paleo, France. It was occupied by the German troops. A 15-year-old boy did not know why in the world he and the other citizens of Paleo had been lined up before a firing squad in the middle of the town square. Perhaps they were being punished for their own efforts at providing safety. Or maybe it was simply to satisfy those who were in command to just get rid of anybody who was against what they did. All the boy knew that he was about to die. As he stood there before the firing squad, he remembered the carefree days of his childhood before the war, when he was just roaming through the French countryside with no real thoughts about what would happen from that day forward. He thought about all he would miss by never growing up. And most of all, he was terrified of dying. He hoped no one could hear the whimperings that were coming from deep in his throat every time he breathed. And suddenly the boy heard the sound of exploding mortar shells beyond the limits of his little village and rapidly approaching tanks could also be heard. The Germans were forced to abandon the firing squad that was about to happen to take on these tanks that were rolling into town. The 20 American GIs were led by Bomb Hamsley, a corporal in Patton's Third Army. And one of the French officers had asked Hamsley for help. And after three hours, 50 Nazis were dead, and the other 50 were taken prisoner. And many years later, the town of Paleo honored Bob Hensley on that very spot where dozens of the town citizens would have died if not for him. And who do you think the man was that initiated the search for Hamsley and for the ceremony? He was the former mayor of Paleo, that same 15-year-old boy who was about to die. He had determined that he would find the man who saved him and honor his life. What does that say for us? It should be hard to forget our Savior. And we should be grateful every moment of every day for the saving grace that brings us to the table where we fellowship one with another, where we reconcile with each other, and where we experience a heart of gratitude.
May God's peace be with you in this Thanksgiving and forevermore. Amen.